Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting from the Oilfield Expert Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And now, it's time for me to welcome on my guest, Tom Pyle, who is the CEO of American Energy Alliance. And also, Tom, you were for a while writing for Shell Magazine as well. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Thank you so much for having me, and I'm, I'm happy to write more. So. Let's do it. We, we, yeah. we need the insight from your organization. And speaking about the Alliance, tell our listeners about the great work that you guys are doing. I know you have this arm and you also have um, the IER as well. So tell us all the good things that are happening uh, at your organization. Sure. Well, the American Energy Alliance exists for your listeners um, it's a way for uh, them and others to get involved directly uh, in this process, in, in the, at, particularly at the federal level, but occasionally uh, we engage in some state battles as well. We are simply a watchdog for affordable, abundant, reliable energy, uh, hopefully mostly produced here. Um, yeah. We kind of keep an eye on what's going on on Capitol Hill and in other state capitals and get information out uh, to folks so that they can be better informed, so that mm-hmm. they can in engage with their lawmakers uh, and make their voice heard. Uh, AEA's sort of principal tool for that is called our American Energy Scorecard, where we evaluate uh, proposals, uh, amendments, and bills. And we broadcast ahead of time that we'll be scoring for or against if they meet our standard for affordable energy. The Institute is uh, the research arm of ER, and it is designed to uh, sort of create the intellectual ammunition um, to help lawmakers, to help staff better understand, and people, folks, folks out in the real world, better understand what is exactly going on, like how these policies impact us individually as consumers, businesses, producers, folks in the oil patch, et cetera. So uh, we're sort of a one-two punch um, and we're your eyes and ears uh, in Washington and some of the state houses. You know, Tom, what you guys do is so important. What we do is so important. You know, we are a no-nonsense, common-sense radio show talking to the American people. One thing is for sure, energy is a very complicated topic, and yet every single person listening to the show uses it and needs it to some degree. And so with it being so complicated, uh, organizations, alliance that are sitting there in D.C. giving a scorecard for how these elected officials are voting is very important to the American people, and it should be. So we definitely always want to give you a platform to to grade and, and grade fairly, which is the important part of this. This show is important to me, Tom, because we're going to really break down where we are right now. There's some pretty troubling times ahead of us, in my opinion, we have China uh, pretty much putting everybody on notice that they're getting ready for war. We know that Russia has already invaded Ukraine. And we know that this president, our president, has been very weak on any kind of real foreign policy pertaining to holding countries accountable. And yet we see China on the move, Russia's on the move, Iran and China and Russia are coming into some kind of form, some kind of unholy alliance, if you will. Um, and energy is a huge part of this because I had 
Wayne Christian, the Texas Railroad Commission on the other day, and we were talking about the number one thing that really won uh, the World War II for the United States, and it was access to an abundance of good old fossil fuels to keep our tanks and planes and what we need for war in the air and working. And now we have a 40-year low in the Strategic Petroleum Reserves, which most people listening to the show may not even be familiar with what that is. We are in troubling times, period. And yet we have an abundance here of oil and gas underneath our feet. And to anybody listening on the show who's going to tell me, you know, or email me, Kim, 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 but what about the climate? Folks, we won't have a climate if we keep going down this path that we need to figure out what is, like you said, reliable energy that we have access to. And I think we're in this transition, but we're not there yet to get off of it. And so we need to start really talking common sense policies first. And how do we get in this transition? I'm not saying that I'm against uh, us looking at resources. We should look at all, Mm -hmm. not just a few. And we shouldn't be picking winners or losers. And if elected officials are picking winners or losers, they're losers and they need to be voted out of office because they need to understand what they're doing. That being said, that was Kim's rant. (laughs) Let me ask you about President Biden's reduction, Inflation Reduction Act, the IRA, better known as. Uh, you put out some information that is roughly going to cost $1.2 trillion, that is three times the amount that these elected officials forecasted and told the American people about. So not only do we have it mislabeled, which to me was a wonderful thing to do uh, if you really believe it was going to reduce the inflation, we're actually heading for a recession, um, but what is going to be the impact uh, on the American taxpayer? Well, uh, you know, I, the Inflation Reduction Act is just a clear example of double speak. It's actually the Inflation Enhancement Act, um, and it's very clear. The reason that the the, the costs are skyrocketing or, or will be projected to skyrocket is because a whole bunch of companies are rushing to get these subsidies, mm-hmm. uh, way more than they uh, anticipated and or expected. And, you know, what? let's talk about what this is. This is a transfer of wealth. This is a redistribution of wealth from middle class, mm-hmm. tax-paying Americans, and and you know all this business about the rich don't pay taxes, not true. But we are they are taking money out of our pockets and handing it to companies like General Motors, to companies like Siemens, to companies that are massive corporate entities. Who why do they need all of this tax money? Uh, it it is, it's a terrible okay. way. Why are they doing this if they don't need the money? What's in it for the elected officials? I want you to say to the, to the people listening to the show why this is happening. Well, look, there's a whole lot of politics involved in these decisions. Um, and the benefactors of campaign contributions from a lot of these renewable energy companies and others um, are Democrats, just Quite honestly, uh, the folks that are promoting, I should say progressives, the folks who are promoting these policies and sort of working to demonize um, the, the the natural resources that we're endowed with to try to force, you say transition, we always transition. Throughout our history, we've been transitioning. The um, Industrial Revolution was an energy revolution, right? I mean... The use of coal from wood uh, was the big game changer. 
Then when we discovered oil in Pennsylvania, petroleum gasoline was a byproduct, a waste product until we invented the internal combustion engine. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's what the transitions are. And that's what the transitions are meant to be. You're supposed to improve. You're supposed to be safer, cheaper, faster, better. Right. And what I'm seeing with all the subsidization and this, the, the forcing of electric vehicles, of wind and solar and everything else is a awfully expensive experiment. And I hope that it's only just expensive because as you see in Europe, as you see in other places, it's also now costing lives. It's also now a deadly experiment in many cases, both in terms of people dying from the cold, not being able to afford heat, but also these conflicts, these battles, these wars, as you mentioned in your intro, are largely centered on and based around either getting energy, seeking energy, or taking advantage of those who have become dependent on Russia, yeah. for example. Yeah. Let's That's remind the viewers how many prior to us lifting the 40-year export ban under the Obama administration, how many of us listening to this show remember how many times we were, our butts were in the Middle East fighting wars because we needed that energy source? I'm not saying it was always, but if you notice since the 40-year ban has been lifted, and the Port of Corpus Christi has become the number one exporting port in North America in crude and second in natural gas and exporting. That's a pretty impressive record. But it also, we haven't really had any new wars and we haven't been getting involved in anything. And that's because we have an abundance here right underneath our feet. That's and exactly we need this right. energy. And to the climate alarmist, I get it. But you know what? Solar and wind can perform just as good as as good old fossil fuels then bring it but we shouldn't need to prop them up with subsidies well there's a couple of things too let me unpack that a little uh the subsidization is a massive as i mentioned wealth transfer um but look every time every energy producing source has its advantages and disadvantages solar and wind are not green for, they're not like they don't get a free pass in terms of their impacts on the environment that's right. Uh, there's a lot of lithium. There's a lot of cobalt. There's a lot of these rare earth minerals and materials that are needed for batteries, for everything that they're trying to switch to. That's called mining. That's And, and in some places, like the Congo, they use children mm -hmm. to mine some of these resources. Um, where are we going to put all of the toxic sludge that these batteries produce when they when they run out? When, they, when their life runs out, where are we going to put them? How are we going to store them and manage them? So the, the whole idea that certain sources are better for the environment than others is a fictional construct by the environmentalists because right. they hate oil and gas. But yet they use it every day to go drive, to petition and to sit there and be against it. But yet everything they're wearing, their clothes, their makeup, their glasses, their car, their tires, and everything that they're eating and consuming is a byproduct. They need to really understand how ridiculous they are if they believe that. But I would think that they don't believe it. They know. But you know what? I want to switch gears because we're going to get ready for break. When we come back, I want to talk also about the uh, President Biden's goal of 50 percent 
of uh, new vehicles? Because you did mention that, you know, these uh, vehicles need things that are precious minerals we don't possess. And there was an announcement that Tesla is moving into the Corpus Christi area in Oasis County with a new lithium mine, which was important. Governor Abbott talked about it yesterday. But I think the important thing that we remember as we go into break is that without these subsidies, these solar and wind would not exist. And the majority of what's coming out is being made in China. So we're beholden to China again, if we go down this process. And then the last thing is that if we think that this is a good idea, then uh, I think that we are leaving ourselves less energy dependent and the environmentalists out there need to get informed that they don't have to do the same reporting that oil does and gas. So therefore they are killing millions of birds and bats and ants and they too need fossil fuels to exist. So where are we going, folks, with this insane discussion? I'm going to give you an opportunity to comment on that when we turn from break. You're listening to in the Old Patria Show. We'll be right back. And we're back. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show. My guest is Tom Pyle, returning back to the show. You are the CEO of American Energy Alliance. Uh, Tom, before the break, um, I was discussing the whole EV conversation. California is all bought in. Um, and they have uh, a, a debt that's massive. Yet uh, Governor Abbott was in Corpus Christi yesterday. I attended the luncheon and he discussed the wonderful things that are happening here in Texas. Like how many people are moving from California to Texas? Uh, God to bless point- Texas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, businesses are relocating here. I mean, the environment is right for everybody to want to move here. But, you know, the discussion was, do we have the resources? Do we have the utilities? Will we experience rolling blackouts? And thank goodness that our elected officials here in Texas are looking out and seeing but, uh, what's happening and reacting before we, you know, hit the wall, so to speak. But I want to talk about an announcement he made, which was Tesla's announcement that they are building a lithium mine right inside Nueces County, which is right on the outskirts of Corpus Christi. And the importance of that is very important. I want you to talk about what you mentioned earlier about where we are getting these precious resources to create the EV that the Tesla people that are driving, I don't drive a Tesla, but I know kind of a lot of what's going on with Teslas. Mm -hmm. 50% of all new vehicles sold in the United States, uh, the goal is uh, by 2030 to decarbonize the US is going to be by 2050. This is the goal of President Biden, 50%. Um, do we have the resources? Do we have the ability to make this change considering that we do not have a solution for their battery issue? We do not have a solution for uh, lithium, cobalt, like you said. Again, it seems like we're being beholden to China again because China is the one who's going to produce this. So all you people listening, driving Teslas, if China decides not to send stuff, you won't have a vehicle unless you have a gas guzzling vehicle, right? I mean, tell me, where, where am I wrong here? Well, yeah. So the way this works is it's not a, it's not, we will be dependent on China for these materials and minerals. We are. Mm-hmm. The world is dependent on China for these minerals and materials. China owns or controls 80% of the global market for rare earth minerals and materials and the cobalts and the lithiums and the components of electric vehicles, batteries for storage, for renewables, et cetera. That is a fact. Uh, That is something that they have been working on for a very long time. And they laugh 
I imagine they do. I'm not hanging out in meetings with them, with them, but the, the communist Chinese party sees what we're doing here with president Biden's net zero, uh, as you mentioned goals and sees the way that the government is trying to re uh, essentially what they're trying to do is go from a hydrocarbon based economy to a minerals based economy. That's what, that's what it would, it, it would require we have some of them. We don't have nearly the amount that we have of oil and gas and coal. But the other irony is, is that even at the same time that President Biden and others um, are pushing all of this and, and rearranging the government to take our money and give it to corporations to do this, he's also not approving mines either. Uh, we're working on a comprehensive report about what it would take to actually what the types of materials, how much of this would be required to meet these goals. And we have a list of about 12 or 13 projects that have been in some cases going, seeking approval for 10, 15 years. And the federal government is putting up roadblocks and impediments to each one of these projects. So I wish and hope that the lithium uh, project that, that was announced is mostly on state lands because uh, that'll help. It is, and uh, you know they still are going to have some hurdles to get through to get over. And the an, our other irony is, or tragedy, is that the same organizations that are pushing this transition, this forced transition, are also the ones filing the lawsuits against the mines that we're trying to to permit and get and get going here in this country to reduce that dependence. We fought and won our energy independence with the shale revolution. Sorry. There's no it's indisputable. Now, if you looked at the announcement, uh OPEC is cutting production, OPEC is teaming up with China to build refineries in China to change the way that they deal with oil and, and the way they the, the way they price it and everything between that and the fact that China controls 80% of the minerals and materials for these products is a we are literally our government is is promoting shifting our dependence from from Saudi Arabia, which we got off of, and now off of back off of America onto China. And that That's makes, a dangerous proposition. Yeah, yeah, that makes yeah, that should make all of us sleep well at night, considering, you know, there are some great people who were in elected office that just, you know, nine years ago were not afraid to say the truth. And and one time I remember a commissioner at the time, Texas Railroad Commissioner David Porter, which I'm sure you probably remember, saying, you know, Kim, the thing that we should do is be looking to see where is the money coming from these nonprofit groups that are anti-oil and gas and see where they're coming from. And the majority of that money you will track back to, to places coming outside of the United States that have it in their best interest to keep it in the ground here, China and Russia. And then this kind of reminds me of the Obama admir uh, administration where it was sue, 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 and then settle. And when you settle, you get something of what you want, but it also keeps stuff in litigation. And it sounds like we're back on this track that let's pull out this playbook and let's dust it off and redo it again in this administration. I tell you, the elections can't come fast enough and I really do hope that you guys play a very big role 
in helping the American people see that elections have consequences. And if they're not voting for, I don't care who they vote for, a Democrat, Republican, many of my friends are Democrats, but these are, you know, the moderate Democrat, you know, Henry Cuellar is an amazing example who gets how important energy is here in Texas. Um, you can vote for a Democrat. You can vote for whoever you like. Just make sure they have a solid energy policy and are familiar with the talking points that they understand the meanings. Let's take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. In the oil and gas industries, you don't just need a workers' comp provider. You need a workers' comp provider who understands your business. That's Texas Mutual Insurance Company. At Texas Mutual, they've created the Texas Oil and Gas Association Safety Group exclusively for businesses involved with exploration and production. That means you'll have access to information and safety resources that fit the way you work. But the advantages don't stop there. As a safety group member, you'll receive a premium discount on your workers' comp. Plus, you can qualify for double dividends. You heard that right. Members can earn an additional dividend on top of the one you receive as a policyholder. It's all part of Texas Mutual's commitment to working as a partner with the businesses that keep our state running. Texas Mutual and the Texas Oil and Gas Association, two great organizations that are even better together. To see if you qualify to become a safety group member, go to TexasMutual.com TXOGA. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Tom Pyle, who is the CEO of American Energy Alliance. Tom, before the break, we were talking about President Biden's goal, 50% of all vehicles sold in the United States by uh, 2030, I believe, uh, or to decarbonize and change the U.S. economy by 2050 will be these EVs, electric vehicles. Um, now, the price is mounting on these cars, right? Um, the more they're selling, the less resources we have. They haven't figured out the battery situation. We don't have enough resources. And it's also reflecting now that your insurance is going to go up. 27% of insurance costs on the average vehicle for internal combustion vehicles are going up. Um, how do you see the increase of uh, the insurance rates? Does it affect the average consumer when we're already in enough taxation, if you will? Um, and do you think more people are likely to skip out on purchasing uh, these vehicles, even though they're getting a tax credit? Explain that to all of us. How is this supposed to work? So, you know, there's a lot more. Like, obviously, the insurance gets distributed across the spectrum. So everyone pays more when insurance goes up, right? That's That's, that's a given. But the, the thing is, is that the average cost of an electric vehicle is out of reach mm -hmm. for most people, mm -hmm. right? It's really a sort of, I call it a lifestyle product. It's really for rich, wealthy coastal elites, San Francisco, New York, maybe Austin, <laughs> not quite in the coast. But the point is, is that we're subsidizing the purchase of cars that cost 60, 70, $80,000, right? Why are we doing that? Secondly, as you mentioned, you touched on it. Almost every major announcement from every major automobile company, GM, Ford, across the board, this company Rivian, which makes trucks, they have all these aspirations and talk about how many cars they're going to make and how great they are and how wonderful they are. And then a month later, six months later, you get, oh, we halted production of the F-150 Lightning. Why? The battery doesn't work, right? The Rivian's. Uh, all across the board. Oh, I couldn't wait to get my Rivian. Now I can't wait to get rid of my Rivian. This is why, this is not about, this is about government planning, government control versus the free market and about consumers making choices. 
This is really what this is. When the government gets involved, you, you said picking winners and losers earlier on. They generally just pick losers. Yeah. Right. They they don't know like the 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 dynamics of a free market are vastly superior for consume for for the value and benefit of consumers and oh by the way for the environment. And let me give you a very specific example. Our great American oil and gas producers down in the patch in Texas, in the Permian and other places. We have a report at, at IR called the Environmental Quality Index. Our report is, uh, takes into consideration the cleanliness, the safety, and the, um, the the sort of overlay of protections that we have in the production of oil and gas and the volume because we produce a lot. And if you weigh in all of those factors, the United States is the the cleanest most environmentally friendly way to produce oil and gas in the world. Now, there are a couple of countries that are technically cleaner, but the volume is so low that they don't get to, it just doesn't compare, right? So why is the president of the United States curtailing our oil production here if he cares so much about the environment? Why is he going after Venezuelan oil? which is on the near the bottom of the list. Why is he trying to cut a, a new nuclear deal with Iran so that he can get oil from Iran? Why is he seeking dirtier oil and trying to put our, our wildcatters out of business here in the United States of America? It makes no sense. It's not logical. So again, going back to your point, there are other reasons for that, right? There are underlying political reasons for that. Right. And I think the American people do kind of know. They do hear Maria Baltarama talking about how beholden the Biden family seems to be to China. And no one, uh, because he's the president, is uh, willing to talk about it at this moment. But I suspect, just like they are going to indict, or they did indict, they're going to arrest President Trump this week. Um, good things are going to happen when you get out of office, too, if a Republican gets into office. But that's a different show. Here's the point. Yesterday, when um, Governor Abbott was in Corpus Christi talking about Texas, you know, Tom, the Texas has actually made some historic uh Amazing things happen here in this state historically. When we talk about the uh, Economic Stabilization Fund, which is primarily funded by good old oil and gas, we increased from 2019, listen to this, Texans, to 2023 or 2022, 56%. It was a historic high we've never hit before because of oil and gas and mineral right owners, their resources paying their taxes. This is why the state is going to have more teachers. More money for roads and transportation, more money to hire more police officers and uh, important personnel, uh, paramedics, you name it. 56% of an increase, historic highs, and it's all because of oil and gas being produced in the state. And yet Texas is also the one who is providing the majority of the resources coming out of the United States for our allies, uh, Europe. It's coming out of Texas. Let's take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. I want to change gears a little bit and and help the average person listening to the show. So you like a Tesla? Great. Let's talk about Infrastructure Reduction Act requires that vehicles be manufactured here in the United States. So it's resembling the Jones Act where the ships have to be created here in the United States. That sounds great. 
to qualify for $7,500 of a consumer tax credit. Now here come the foreign automakers, Japan, which is one of our allies, uh, Japan's Honda and South Korea's Hyundai announced plans for a multi-billion dollar electric vehicle manufacturing plant here in the United States in 2022. How is this going to impact our American automakers, if you will? Is there going to be an impact to them? It, it depends on if any of these um, proposed or planned projects actually get off the ground. And that's the other thing that I've uh, been looking at. There's a lot of grand, you know, predictions and plans about production levels and volumes and things like that. The fine print is, the little asterisk is, depending on continuous government support for, you know, years and years and years and years and years, right? Like these auto companies are basically no longer uh, focused and tuned into what consumers, what we want. Mm -hmm. They're actually focused on what Washington wants to give them. And that's, um, you know, that only lasts so long, right? Um, these budgets, uh, you know, are projected out 10 years. I, for one, am working very hard uh, with uh, allies on Capitol Hill to pull back the the subsidies from the Inflation Reduction Act and the CHIPS Act and all these other things. Basically, the government has become an industrial, like there's this, this alliance between corporations and the federal government to just take our money to make products that we don't even want, right? I have nothing against an electric vehicle. Um, I think it makes sense for certain types of people in certain types of places, but it doesn't make sense. For everybody to be driving a Tesla, what really this equates to, to me, when you look and you do the math, is almost the majority of everybody listening who can't afford a Tesla is probably going to be having to pick, if the government gets their way, they're going to be having to take public transportation. That's correct. Because and automobiles are not going to be affordable to the average American anymore. That's correct. Right now, um, I think the average price of an EV is in the $60,000 range. And the average price of a, a gas-powered vehicle is in the now low 40s. And that's still really expensive. And one of the reasons for that is that there's a hidden subsidy in the purchase of gas-powered vehicles because these auto companies are leaning on the sales of their gas-powered vehicles to offset the losses in the profit and loss column for their electric vehicles. They're losing money uh, year over year on their EV productions production lines. Ford just announced they took a $3 billion hit Mm. On, their, on their EV production lines. We out? pay for that. Corporations don't pay taxes. We Corporations do. don't lose money. We do. Shareholders, our 401ks. This but it is, also extends in the price of these vehicles as well. They pass it on to the consumer. That's right. So look, I'm not against, again, my point is this. I'm not against any energy source. I'm not against any vehicle. I'm not against any of it. What I'm against is the government trying to tell us how and what and and to choose for us to tell us that they know better than we do about how to run our family our household what you know what jobs that we want that are available to us what cars we drive how much we have to pay for electricity as a result of bad decisions and choices that are made in Washington DC um and that's the other thing is as you think about these these goals this X, you know, net zero by 2050. Do you think these politicians are going to be around in 2050? They better hope not, because the Americans are probably going to come looking for them. When the bill comes due, these 
these politicians will no longer be in office. And quite frankly, the CEOs of these companies will probably have long moved on as well. So they're making it, you know, they always say, you know, we're mortgaging our future or, you know, think about the children. These, these folks are making really bad decisions right now that are going to affect our kids and our grandkids down the road, because pretty soon we're not going to have the, we're not going to, we're not going to have what we've always had, never having to worry about the power being on, never having to choose between heating our home and feeding our kids. Or if you're rich or poor, because Bingo. the middle class is dropping out. And the middle class is the voting pool. So we better start paying attention. You know, one thing I'm going to switch gears and talk about something that people really want to know about is, you know, hey, well, what about the energy efficient in our homes? We hear solar, we hear wind. But I also just want to say that before I, I bring that conversation on, I want to also get your opinion on, but you know, Tom, it's, it's so bad, you know, fossil fuels, we need to shut it down. It's killing the planet. We got 12 years left, according to AOC, a bartender. Um, and you know, these people who are really scientists are saying these things to us, but here's the question is, well, well, we see other countries doing their fair share, right? Like Europe. And we saw when they invested and double down, triple down on solar and wind. Now they have uh, riots out in the street. They don't have enough energy and they don't have access to good old just simple utilities. And they're pissed because they understand that they got sold it a little too early. But what about other countries? Countries that are poor, maybe like Africa, that we get to tell those people because, hey, we're the United States or we're these other developed countries that your children don't get to live because they don't have access to incubators or other accessible energy that we do. Or your life expectancy, mom or dad, is going to be less because you don't get access to immunization and regular medical. They need this energy. And who are we to tell them that? They should, everybody listening who says, yeah, we should, you should go read that book by Alex Epstein, A Moral Case for Fossil Fuels. Mm -hmm. That being said, that's Kim's rant again. Alex Alex is doing great work out there. We applaud uh, all the work he's doing. Look, the other, the other thing is, is that let's not kid ourselves. The, the countries who are serious, particularly China, India, for example, they're paying lip service to all this, the, the climate crusading going on at the UN and these, these annual conferences. China's building a couple of coal plants a month. That's right. China, the reason China is con- controls all, almost all of the solar panel production, the photovoltaics are, two, are twofold. One, because they have cheap electricity from coal. And two, they they use slaves, children for their labor force. Mm-hmm. You can't compete with slaves and you know low, low cost coal if you're trying to you know uh, develop these resources here at home. We have always competed with the world because we've had abundant, affordable, reliable energy. We've always competed. We're losing that because we're we're being asked by our federal government to go away from those resources and move on to resources that we're wholly dependent on the communist party of china for the production lines it's it's it's, it's insane it's, it's insane. i don't know what, how to say it any other way and i and i know there's listeners that hate donald trump and that's fun you know what he he needs to tone down in my opinion but he was right about china and we, and we should listen because he's saying the truth about China. 
And uh, we seem to be moving closer to giving them more and more power, which is not a safe thing for us to be doing. He, he was right about China, but he was also right about energy. And the House Republicans are doing some good things. Um, right. their, their first piece of legislation, uh, they build uh, the Lower Energy Cost Act. Um, and does it do everything I wanted them to do? No, but it is a pretty comprehensive bill, a uh, series of bills that will get us back on track with our domestic production that'll get New Mexico back on track. Let's take a quick break. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. And we're back. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Tom Pyle, who is the CEO of American Energy Alliance. I want to back up though, and I want you to tell the listeners, tell me, remind me again, um, so we have the cleanest energy abundance here. We're, we're actually the leaders for the rest of the world to learn how to remove fossil fuels in a cleaner way. And like you said, let the uh, best, smartest engineers here in the United States produce even greater, greener ways of doing this. Or should we double down and triple down in countries like Russia um, or some other country China that's bringing on coal plants and they know how to do it greener because they don't even have any, any government agencies overseeing or Venezuela, what they are doing. And then it comes back to the discussion. Well, if these other countries are doing these things and producing energy on a global scale too, because Russia was selling uh, their, you know, uh, crude to the world. And now Venezuela is back a communist country. Um, I guess it's, what is happening here that I thought we had a climate catastrophe on our hands and I thought we all needed to be. And it, and what you said earlier, this is a, a transformation of wealth occurring and we need to pay attention to it because these elections matter. Uh, uh, Biden and another Democrat in office, right, we've got a problem with the border. Why is the border being uh, the surging? I don't want to get into that topic except just kind of quickly overlay these are potential voters and and we see what's happening to me we lose energy we lose our democracy plain and simple i, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about what you you're you're an expert in this you're in dc obviously you all want to make sure that you're telling the american people and giving grades close with what is your uh, final stance on where are we with our energy policy and what do we need to be doing our listeners we're in a very precarious place. Um, I can't sugarcoat it at all. We have an administration that is, if they're interested at all, um, they're they're going the wrong in the wrong direction. Quite honestly, um, you know this this as I mentioned earlier, this alliance that's being formed between Saudi Arabia and China is because of the void in leadership. Right. of the United States, it's because of a lack of active engagement with Saudi Arabia. When President Biden depleted the SPR, he Strate based strategic reserve, he, he did it in theory to uh, help offset the production cuts from OPEC. Then he said he was going to refill it and he has done not done nothing to do that. He sends no signals to Saudi Arabia that he wants an active working partnership. So what are they going to do? They're going to go somewhere else. Why do you think Russia waited until now to invade Ukraine? 
because of weakness, because of projected weakness. What do you think China will do in Taiwan if he keep if they keep seeing this weakness from the administration, from the current administration? So I'm very worried, but I'm also hopeful and optimistic because Americans understand th- this issue instinctively. Um and as long as, as, as I said, the American Energy Alliance is built to help people get get the information to be informed and be involved. And that's what's critical. The listeners of this great show need to need to stay informed, not just complain, stay informed and get involved in, in, right. in whatever way they can, whatever time they can spare. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they can go to your association. Uh, and they can also email us at uh, radio at shellmag.com. Continue to listen to the show, get engaged, get involved, because elections do have consequences. And we need to start looking at solid. Again, if it's an R, a D, or an independent, I don't care. I just know that you need to start electing people that have a good energy policy and want to continue to keep the United States strong. When we are looking at other countries and giving up our energy independence, we're asking for trouble. This is not a good moment. We see Iran, China, Russia coming together. We need to wake up. And we have depleted our strategic petroleum reserves to the lowest in 40 years. That thing, you know, people need to start calling their elected officials and demanding that that strategic petroleum reserve be. I got got an easy way to do that. Tell us. Let us drill here at home. It's that simple. Right. Get out of the way. Let us That's do what right. we do best. Let it us produce. Tom, it shouldn't take five years for the Willow Project in Alaska to get the permitting, even though it had passed the Trump administration. There was no scientific data to stop it, and they still came back lowering the initial and only giving ConocoPhillips three pad sites as opposed to five because it was on federal land. Okay, but let, Any let energy me, reform. We, let me take that one step further. Because the the the, the NPRA, the National uh, Petroleum Reserve in Alaska, then uh, was constitutionally mandated to produce oil for the Defense Department. Right? It is the land was set aside for the sole purpose of producing oil, and when the president approved that project, which was going to happen, one hundred percent, he could have stalled it as much as he wanted. In exchange for expediting the approval, and like you said, reducing the number of tracks, he locked up the size of the state of West Virginia in that same area from future production. So we got the project that was supposed to be approved, and in exchange for that, he locked up the, the size of West Virginia in a congressionally mandated oil reserve. That is not a trade-off. Mm-mm. That is good for the long-term value of this country, the long-term strategic um, invest um, importance of this country from from a security perspective, and also from a affordability perspective. We can't keep approving lo- uh, one project and locking up West Virginia from future production, and expect to remain the largest producer of safe, environmentally friendly oil production in the world. So that's a dangerous thing. And folks need to understand that that was the trade-off for that, for the approval of that project. Um, if people want to get involved in your group, what's the website they go to? AmericanEnergyAlliance.org. 
And you'll get one of those annoying sign up thingies. Just put your email in there and then you will we'll take care of it from there. The same thing with <laughs> us. If you want more information, keeping up with the shows and who we have to talk no nonsense energy policy, please be sure to email us. And, and when you when you putz around on the on the site, you'll look for the scorecard, the American Energy Scorecard. We're going to put that up on our website because we need to be highlighted. And I think I'm going to also put it in the newsletter that's 60,000 strong. Why? It's important. We start really talking common sense energy because this seems to be getting more and more uncommon sense, wise, sensical, if you will. I don't even know the word. It seems crazy, uh, the policies that are coming out of this administration as we get ready for an election cycle. Tom, thank you for joining me uh, as a guest today on In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Always a pleasure. Thanks. In the Oil Patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us, 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210 210- 240-7188.